Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast yet again coming at you from your ear units into your brain. Uh, I'm Jordan Strauss, and he is Sam Laboon. How y'all doing? How the heck are you, Sam, with the books? Oop. Oh, man. I'm, uh, I'm in like the part of Toronto that's uh, like Little Italy, I think. And uh, Nice. Yeah, and Italy won... They beat Spain on penalties in the Euros, and people have not stopped honking their horns for the last three hours. Man, big city vibes, eh? <laughs> I haven't even heard a mention of a Euro Cup here in my small town. <laughs> uh, no one cares. I have no one, no one talk, no one talking about it. No honking, no jerseys, no flags, no face paints, no fucking. I haven't seen anyone kicking a ball around. I haven't seen any. Uh, honestly, I don't really. I haven't really been in in the city like. Mm. As a, I haven't been amongst the people. Yeah. Uh, really. Yeah. I mean, if 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 it was like the Euros of mud bogging, then I'm sure it would be all all over the news. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just don't follow sports very well. I just don't. I don't know where do you watch these games? Where what are they at? Like, who's winning? Has Germany just won yet, or we got to wait longer to see them win? Or are they out? Dude, England knocked Germany out. England. That's disgusting to me. Yeah. Gross. With their teeth? <laughs> their big old chompers. <laughs> oh, my God. I think they just left the field because the breath was too bad. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Let's go drink some beers. Uh, you, you watch them on uh, TSN. You download their app. Is it free? No, it's 20 bucks a month. Yeah, see? Couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. Could not give a care. Why care when you can just find the results later and then join the <laughs> conversation that way? Are you watching the uh, Stanley Cup? You can watch it on cbc.ca. No idea. I thought that was over too. No, it's a, uh, well, I guess it's more of a big deal here because the Canucks got knocked out, but it's like almost, it's like a three to one series. So if. See, the thing is, I thought like all these COVID cups, like all the, all the like big championships that were played during COVID are all going to have like an asterisk next to them because everything got so fu- like. Mm. Nothing is really how it should be. So everybody's going to say, yeah, you want it during COVID though. Like we had to be like, there's just so many variables that got tossed at the the whole everything mm-hmm. that people could easily discredit any championships won during this time. So I'm just not even, not that I cared before, but I, I just, if someone brings up a sport to me, I say uh, it doesn't count because of COVID, and they get pissed. Oh man, yeah, no wonder they get pissed. All the players says way harder, way harder. Yeah, yeah, because of the bubbles, they can't. Uh... A lot harder for everyone, bud. We're <laughs> in this together, okay? We're in this together. <laughs> well, like the the players said, it, like at least for like um like you know for basketball, they said it was harder because like they're in the bubble, so they can't go. I don't know, go to the strip club or whatever. Yeah, I don't care if it's like socially harder for you, okay? I don't care that you can't see your kid. I don't. Get the basket in the fucking in the ball. Sh- shut <laughs> up and dribble, right? Basketball again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> shut up and dribble. <laughs> Do that thing where you put it between your legs and then you jump away from the basket. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I mean, basketball to me is one of the, like, I watch the most exciting moments of a basketball game, and it still is incredibly underwhelming to me. But all these white kids in the in the stadium are going nuts, and like, mm. I think it's I think basketball is is like almost entirely supported by fourteen year old white suburban kids at this point. <laughs> they do seem to love it, yeah. 
All all basketball fans I've ever met, I mean, granted, I live in one of the whitest towns on, on the planet Earth, <laughs> are really they're the they're the they're the offspring of really wealthy people that live in the suburbs. And then they wear all the basketball shirts, sneakers, and everything. None of them can shoot a hoop to save their lives, but they love talking about it. NBA 2K. It's kind of like me with rap music. Ah, interesting. Interesting connection. Yeah. I have no real connection to the culture, but I just, I just, I love it. I love it as an outside observer. Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beats, drumming, drumming's a big part of rap. Beats. That's true. I will, I will say, mostly when I play drums, I play along to rap music because I find that the rappers, like the way they rap, are a good template for new beats and and uh, what are fills, which are like the the things that transition one beat into a different chorus, you know what I'm saying? Like do 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 that shit. That feel, that was a that that's probably the most famous fill ever recorded. And ironically, it was by a man named Phil Collins. Man, I knew I knew exactly what song that was just from you going boo 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 or whatever. Yeah. See <laughs> that that I mean that's like, but a fill doesn't have to be so dramatic either. It can be just something small and quick, but. It's always been the weakest part of my drumming game is my fills, and I find that rappers I can just I can match kind of what they're uh, what they're doing rhythmically with their rhymes to give me more ideas as to what I can do with fills. And uh, but also I just been living that thug life since I was born, so I really yeah, you came up the womb flipping two two birds and uh, smoking a spliff, right? <laughs> yeah. Spit the government chip out, as Ludacris would say. <laughs> Ludacris is a uh, famous rapper, one of the best in the game, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the game, also a great rapper. Uh, for all you whiteies out there, the game is also the be- one of the best in the game. <laughs> um, a lot of great rappers from 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is something about the beats and the and the what just like the rhythm and rhyme that appealed to me as a drummer. I think. And uh, you add in the fantasy of being a hard-ass gangster on top of that, and you got a winning winning formula for old Strousy boy over here, this <laughs> blonde-haired, blue-eyed German kid. Um, you, so you just moved into a new place. You moved to a new city, T. Dot, the Six. Yeah, the Six. Yeah, the heart of one of the worst rappers to ever make it out of there it was Drake. <laughs> how, how 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 dare you? <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. He's the worst. He's the fucking worst. He's got no edge to him. I, I think he spawned a generation of like half-assed rapping that really, really just, I don't, he's so soft. I always call him the beach ball of modern rap because he just has no edge at all. My uh, My favorite thing I ever saw with Drake was, I think, I think he was on stage some Conor McGregor fight I can't remember but it was just like he was just on stage like trying to be part of it and everyone was just ignoring him and it was it was just hilarious why the fuck does he do that remember when he was it was like he was like the Toronto Raptors like personal cheerleader for that whole thing yeah 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 he's like getting on the court yelling at like gonna get them a technical like you get a technical foul from drake over here (laughs) get your celebrity in order toronto raptors yeah yeah he wants to be the mascot yeah it's all just publicity i think just hopefully it's hopefully it's calculated publicity i hope it's not like he's actually like that that would be fucked 
<laughs> no, of course he's actually like that. He thinks he's got the key to the city, and that means he can go anywhere. I was surprised he didn't try and dunk during the like the finals there and try and get him get himself the winning shot, the goal or whatever the fuck. Here's the thing about basketball is I see the most like I know I'm supposed to be stoked about what I just saw based on what everybody's how everybody's reacting. And by the way, they react they overreact. Oh yeah. About every little thing in basketball. It's all like it's one of these things where the reaction is supposed to justify the glorification of the act, but it really at the end of the day, it's so lack. It's just so anticlimactic every time. I, I don't care if they get a half court shot. I'm like that. I mean, I've seen it before. <laughs> at least with hockey, I think there's a lot more skill involved. As far as like, I mean, the motherfuckers are skating on ice. So <laughs> that alone, yeah. But the but the basket's so tiny, it's so small. Yeah, I'm not impressed. <laughs> They're all like they can all just reach up and put their hands in it. It's not that impressive to me. <laughs> there should be a, a height limit. Or just to me, it's not an exciting sport to watch. That's that's it. Mm. It's very the only non full contact sport I like watching is soccer. That's mm. because there's just so many more exciting moments. You know, there's like three or four goals a game, not eighty eight points. Like, oh, I already saw 19 of those shots today. Yeah. During this exact game. Yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Basketball can get a little tedious sometimes. Yeah. It's more about like, I feel like basketball is more about, um, it's more about the excitement comes from when they don't score, I feel. It's like in jazz, it's about the notes they don't play. It's like basketball is like, oh, they didn't score that one. That one that's, that's a big, big miss. Uh, okay, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm trying. I'm so trying. Now we're I'm getting trying. excited about missed shots. <laughs> I'm <This> trying. Is... <laughs> don't you dare call basketball the jazz of the sports world. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't get it. I don't really like basketball either. It's one of the jazz is another thing where it's like even the best jazz to me is like okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. I guess. I'd just rather see a big, like, I'd rather there be, like, you know, a high-scoring game in soccer is, like, six-plus goals. That's, like, and that everyone is, like, the big moment. Whereas mm. in basketball, like, oh, LeBron James scored 300 points. It's, like, nice. Like, did he finish basketball? Like, basketball's done now? And every, every game I've seen is, like, it's within three points of each other. So it's, like, what is really happening here? I think this game's broken. Why is it always so fucking close every time? Because mm. uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't watch basketball. They got to double the height of the hoops. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. When was the last time they raised the height on those things? Yeah. Because people have grown <laughs> like seven feet. People are a lot taller now. <laughs> Since they last updated the hoop height. Yeah. Make those hoops like barely visible to the human eye. And then let's just watch them hock balls up there. That way, <laughs> when it gets in, I'll have some, then we'll have something to be excited about. Also, they got to add some sort of full contact element to it. Like the Mayans. What was that sport we were talking about with the Mayans where they throw the heads of their enemies through the thing? The Mayan ball game. No, no, no. They, uh, you lose, you get bound up into a ball with rope. They tie you up until you're like a human ball. Mm -hmm. And then they roll you down the steps of a stone pyramid. Yeah, see, even then, I'd probably just tune in for that part. I'd skip the game itself. Just watch the capital punishment at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they need to have not, not trophies, but punishments for, mm. for the losers. 
Yeah, people would play a lot harder. <laughs> and the biggest punishment, the biggest punishment is reserved for the second place people. Oh, <laughs> the most shameful. Yeah. Yeah. And the championship, the, sh- the champion players will just be crying into the camera at the end of the game. Like, I got to keep my family. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what do we got on the plate today? What are we what are we digesting philosophically? Oh my god, this one uh this is going to be another tough one. Okay. <laughs> uh so I think we've like briefly touched on it before, but we're going to get like deeper into it this time. Okay. And that is philosophical zombies. Right. These are the people that you can't prove are actually conscious. Uh, it's sort of, it's basically, it's the idea is basically imagine a being that is physically identical to yourself in every which way, every, Uh every brain molecule is the same. Huge traps, massive dick, small balls. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Absolutely Jack just walking around talking, you know, discoursing about various topics, you know, it's it's having its life. Mm -hmm. Just crushing it socially, physically. Financially, not so much, but maybe maybe even financially, you know, uh, maybe it's a great talker. Well, then it wouldn't look like me. (laughs) That would not be my life. Okay, but uh, yeah, it 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 has a bite. It eats a slice of pizza. It's like, hmm, that's good pizza. You know, smells of flour. It's like, wow, that flour smells really nice. Hmm. But actually, it's not having any experiences whatsoever. There's no consciousness activity. There's nothing there. Yeah. Totally devoid of consciousness, but physically identical. Yes. So, how do you prove that that's a, that that is what's happening? Well, so like, yeah. So, so this is a good point, to, good place to get into it because the like the significance of this of the zombie argument, the people who bring up the zombie argument, they're not trying to prove that zombies are actually real. They don't actually think zombies are actually like among us. Okay. They are mainly arguing that zombies are possible okay and if they can succeed in arguing that zombies are possible then a philosophical doctrine called physicalism is false can you explain physicalism a little bit yeah yeah i'll I'll explain it i I, just to the (laughs) listeners obviously i already know this (laughs) of course yeah for the listeners explain it to them like they're all not all there okay you know as if they're half zombies themselves all right so um Big philosopher, we've talked about him before, Saul Kripke. He has a, a, a useful sort of thought experiment for it. Um, basically, his idea is, so imagine God, right? God has just finished writing up and creating all the physical facts about the universe. Mm-hmm. First draft, no, no rewrites. <laughs> no rewrites, it's perfect. <laughs> perfect first draft. Yeah, every time. Um, yeah, so he's just finished writing all the physical facts about the universe. Every physical fact is, is written down. Now, the question is, does God need to add any facts to explain consciousness or to bring consciousness into existence? And so there's two positive, there's, there's two like answers. There's yes or no. Now, if you say the answer is yes, then you think consciousness is at least partly non-physical. Right. Because you have all the physical facts, but to get consciousness, you need to add a little bit more. So what else, what could you add? You'd have to add non-physical facts. Um, maybe like we have immaterial souls or like a, 
like a from last week, the Kantian noumenal self, some sort of non-physical thing that explains your consciousness. Mm-hmm. So then you'd be a dualist. So that would be like you're talking about if you go to that realm, you're now talking about something in the spirit, essentially, for lack of a better word, or outside of physical, something supernatural. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not necessarily like mystical, but just not physical. Not physical, but not because we last we did a couple episodes ago on our episode about nothing. We found out that there there is the potential of something can exist without it actually becoming actual, right? Right. Potent potential, yeah. Potential things. Yeah. Potential is something that's also nothing, which is pretty <laughs> fucked up when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. But it is. Yeah, potential is, I mean, that's what it is. It's potential. God damn it. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah, but it is real. It's possible. <laughs> because it has real implications if it's realized. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very confusing. But yeah, so we will, but we can get to that non-physical thing later. But the other answer is that you say no. And God doesn't need to add any facts on top of the physical facts to explain consciousness. So if you say no, then you think consciousness is entirely physical and you're a physicalist. Yeah. So physicalists believe that every physical event in the universe has a purely physical cause. So nothing that physically happens is caused by something that is non-physical. Makes sense to me. Right. So they believe that, so the term for it is they believe the universe is physically causally closed. Okay, yeah. Right, so if a billiard ball rolls into the pocket, it's because some prior physical event caused it to roll into the pocket. So that's, uh, that's physicalism. And so physicalism is, is proven wrong. The zombie argument is trying to prove physicalism wrong. And it's trying to prove it wrong because if a zombie is possible, then the physical facts are not enough to explain consciousness. But if the physical facts are not enough to explain consciousness, then you need some non-physical facts. And that would have to be, dualism would be true, and then physicalism would be false. Yeah, well, how do you prove anything outside of the physical realm, though? Yeah. It's all spec, speculation. Well, okay, so here's, okay, so we'll try to get into it. So remember um, Descartes, right? Yeah, love the guy. Yeah, so he thought animals were mindless automata. They were just like biological robots. Okay, I don't like Descartes. No, no, he's an asshole. So when he would, when Descartes would literally nail a dog to a tree and he would wonder like, why is this dog like crying out in so much pain? Mm-hmm. And his, ex- his explanation would be, well, it's, its lungs are inflating and deflating because the diaphragm is expanding and contracting. Yeah. And then this forces air across the, the vocal cords and that produces this, uh, this sound. So his explanation for like why the dog is... Uh, is crying out in pain has nothing to do with the dog's physical sensation of pain, what it's like to be in pain. And so this, uh, this sort of argument is like, so we go down to, to physicalism. A zombie is basically like that. It's like a physical being where you don't, not, nothing that it does is actually caused by its conscious experiences. Yeah. So the physicalists, right, they're saying that the universe is all physical, all events all physical events have a physical cause. And this is tricky. It's tricky to fit conscious experience into the physicalist uh, causal chain. Why? 
Well, think about it like this, right? Imagine Descartes is thinks that like other humans are zombies, right? So he nails a human to a tree. Mm-hmm. And it starts screaming out in pain. Yeah. And he's trying to figure out why is this thing screaming out in pain? And well, it turns out that it's screaming out in pain because its diaphragm is expanding and contracting and the air is being forced up across the vocal cords from the lungs and it's producing this violent sound. So he would just he would say that the, this thing is screaming because it's na- it's physical uh, mechanisms that are because would he agree that most animals are physically constructed to perpetuate their own species? Like, would he believe that evolution is just all like a because, like, you could argue that the only reason that you're screaming is to because it's hardwired into you to do that when certain stimuli are applied to you so that you can warn other members of your species to come help you. And it's not actual pain or they're not experiencing anything. This is just a, a, a pre-programmed software chain going off that's only designed to perpetuate your own survival. Okay, so that's more like behaviorism. So Descartes was pre, pre-Darwin, pre-evolution. His reasoning for this was simply that animals don't have souls. They're not made in God's image, so they just can't be conscious. Oh, this is like pre-actual science that matters. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But the problem uh, still kind of persists, right? Sounds like Descartes was a real psycho. Yeah, he was not a nice guy. Did he think that he was just an auto, auto, uh, anatomaton or whatever the fuck you were saying? No, he he came up with the argument that I think, therefore, I am. Oh, and that's one that everybody quotes, but literally, you know, this guy's fucking nailing horses to, to sidewalks and stuff. <laughs> Thinking, why yeah. is it making so many noises? Yeah. <laughs> what a psychopath. So fucking loud. So he just thought that unless you can prove to him that you're also thinking that you're, he has no problem shoving a handful of pebbles down your throat. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you could prove to Descartes that you were thinking, but he only knew that he could think. And then he, like, God wouldn't create a universe where I was the only thinking being, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the first part's cool. The axiom, I think, therefore I am, is very cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. But the, the problem still persists, right? Because when you look at human behavior, if you're a physicalist, every physical human behavior that occurs has to have a physical cause. And when you look at all the physical causes that are happening, you know, like maybe you stub your toe, right? And a nerve impulse, mm-hmm. the, the electrons, they fire, or the neurons, sorry, they fire up your leg and up your spine into your brain. And then another signal goes down and stimulates your diaphragm and you go, ow, right? Like all the physical behaviors have a physical cause. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure that uh, this might be beside the point, but I think that your body, there's a mechanism in your body for, say, your hand touches something hot and your reaction is to pull away. That signal to pull away or that reaction to pull away doesn't even go to your brain. It goes like through a different part of your nervous system. Like mm. I read this that going to your brain is like almost too slow. Mm. Like the reaction of pulling away your hand happens with completely involuntary, as in your brain does not have time to process it. It it doesn't process it until like slightly afterwards. So there's some sort of mechanism going on that will make you pull your hand away before that signal even gets to your brain. Wow. And that is coming from a complete non-scientifical 
uh, 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 I, I read it somewhere or I saw it on a YouTube <laughs> video. I have no fucking idea where I heard this, but I'm pretty sure it's true. Look it up, people. Your Honor, I'm pretty sure I heard. <laughs> yeah, Your Honor, I'm pretty sure I read or or saw some obscure corner of the internet that says I'm right. <laughs> However, I think that if you look that up, there is something to it. Oh, no, no, yeah, I, I, I believe that. Which you yeah. can say about literally anything uh, with the internet, how it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find something, yeah. Yeah. You dig deep enough, you'll find anything. That's the beauty of it, and also the the terror. Yeah, so... um. So this is a weird, weird thing where it's like, well, it seems like you can explain all of human behavior without ever needing to reference actual conscious state. Right. But we all know that we are conscious, right? I think therefore I am. We all, you know, like we know what coffee smells like. We know what, how it feels to stub your toe. So we know that we're conscious. How do you know consciousness isn't just some elaborate you know, Rube Goldberg machine that is only in place to help us uh, perpetuate our species more effectively. I don't know. Maybe it is. But the the point is, is that to us, it really feels like our conscious experiences cause us to do things. That's true. When I stub my toe, I really think I screamed in pain because it hurt, not just because a bunch of physical dominoes fell. You screamed in pain because it hurt, but then you chose to release your anger by punching a hole through the drywall and breaking your wrist. Exactly. Which starts a chain reaction. Exactly. So, it, so this idea that consciousness exists, but it plays no causal role whatsoever in our behavior is called epiphenomenalism. So epiphenomenalism is this idea that you're conscious and it feels like your consciousness is causing you to do things. But really, it's, it's not. It's just an illusion. You'd be doing exactly the same things even if you weren't conscious. So the consciousness is nothing more than like an ob- observation deck? Yeah, sort of like an observation deck. Like, it's like a simulator where you, know, you feel like you're driving, but really the computer is doing everything for you. You're just sort of along for the ride. Nah. Yeah, so um, a, most, a lot of philosophers think that this is just c- totally contrary to common sense. So there's a philosopher, G.F. Stout, and he imagined um, a zombie world, right? Because if you think epiphenomenalism is possible, then it's pretty easy to imagine that a zombie would be possible. Yeah. Right, you just, okay, they have causally useless consciousness. All right, so we might as well, it doesn't seem that hard to just take that away and have everything be exactly the same. Right. So, so this guy's like, well, we can imagine, so he's, quote, he, he's like imagining a possible world where the laws of nature are the same. Evolution and human history occur in exactly the same way, except nothing is conscious. So his quote is, human bodies would still have gone through the motions of making and using bridges, telephones and telegraphs, of writing and reading books, of speaking in par- parliament, and so on. There can be no doubt that this is simply incredible to common sense. So he's saying flat out, you can't imagine. This is just not possible. You can't imagine this. I will say, like, there's, there's a lot of... Uh... The thing about people is they often do the most irrational things. So what would be like the evolutionary reason for all this irrationality that happens amongst human beings, right? Like, if there's no consciousness, what what does a zombie have to gain from... Like, if everybody were zombies, I feel like we would be kind of more like the Borg than like anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like it would all be it all be purpose driven towards a certain goal instead of 
all the other things that come along with conscious human being. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really tricky because when we say zombies are not possible, well, it depends on what you mean by possible. And in philosophy, there's several different meanings for the word possible. <laughs> so, God damn it. <laughs> it just keeps getting better. Okay. So basically here, so I'll tell you the argument and then we'll, we'll get into like, what does possible mean? So this is the, in simplest terms, this, is, this, this way of writing it is by Robert Kirk from Nottingham University. So this is the simple zombie argument. The first premise is that zombies are conceivable. The second premise is that whatever is conceivable is possible. And the third premise is that therefore zombies are possible. And then the conclusion is physicalism is false. And there are non-physical facts. That seems like he fucking, he forgot the assignment was due and he just spat out some bullshit last minute. Everything that's conceivable is possible. Depends what we mean by possible. But, well, what do you mean by conceivable? Okay, yeah. So let's get into it, right? So, so uh, okay, we'll do, we'll do the first one first, right? Zombies are conceivable. Okay. So to conceive something means you can imagine it. Um, actually, we should explain what is possible first. That might be a little easier. Okay. All right, so the first kind of possible is called a logical possibility. Now, that means something that is possible according to the laws of nature. So, for example, yeah. it is not possible, according to the laws of nature, for you to sit on a broom and fly to Hogwarts. Would you agree? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not. No, it's not. Or possible. just flying. It is impossible. Yeah, you can't. Brooms ah, wait, wait, hang on a second. Oh. It is possible if, you, if, you, if technology allows it. Right. Okay. By broom, yeah, sure. Um, by broom, I mean like a stick. You mean a non, not just like a broom that has no advanced technology incorporated into it. Yeah, You're just, talking just wood and fucking whatever it is. Hay is it hay on the end of a broom? Yeah, I believe so. Why are they called a corn cob broom then? No, it's a corn uh, cob pipe. What are they? Uh, I think it's hay. Hay broom. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, brooms. Brooms don't fly. It's not according to the laws of nature. Wood cannot fly. Um, there's no energy source on it. You know, just, just it's not possible according to the laws of nature. Mm-hmm. Second kind of possible is called logically possible. So logical possibility has to do with whether or not there's a contradiction in terms. So it is logically possible for you to get on a broom and fly to Hogwarts. Okay. There's no contradiction there. Like that, that's a scenario that under the right magical circumstances, you could, that makes sense. Yeah. Like you, a magical broom would fly you to Hogwarts. Like it would make sense logically. Yeah. I mean, there's no debating that. There's no fucking debating that. Yeah. But you can't have a magical broom according to the laws of nature. Right. So it's logically possible to fly on a broom if it's magic, but it's not possible according to the laws of nature to fly on a broom because magic does not work according to the laws of nature. Right. It's not logically possible to fly on a magical broom into my own brain. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then the final one is metaphysically possible. So metaphysical possibility has to do with the essential characteristics or properties of something. So 
again, uh, Saul Kripke can help us out with this one. God damn, I love that guy. Saul Kripke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he says, if gold exists, its atomic number is 79. It is not possible that something could be gold and not be atomic number 79. And that's because gold has 79 protons in the nucleus. And if it doesn't have 79 protons in the nucleus, it isn't gold. It ain't gold. It ain't gold. It's fool's gold. So it's metaphysically impossible. What is fool's gold? The element that has 69 <laughs> as the atomic number. I don't know if there is one. Is it jizz? <laughs> Semen. <laughs> the little known element on the periodic table. <laughs> Called cum, baby. (laughs) Cumium, yeah. (laughs) So, okay, where was he? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we did the three kinds of possible. So the zombie argument holds that zombies are metaphysically possible. In other words, consciousness is not an essential property of a physical brain exactly like ours. That's working exactly like ours. You're not asleep. Right. And so if, so if if it is true that zombies are metaphysically possible, then that means that all the physical facts about your brain aren't necessarily enough to prove that you are uh, conscious. All right. So all of these premises are obviously very, very controversial. Yeah. The whole thing is really more useful to get you thinking. Start going around telling people they aren't, they aren't them. They're going to get a little, little testy with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, remember, remember, they're not trying to say that we aren't conscious because everyone agrees that we are. They're just trying to say that it's possible. Right. They're basically trying to say, like, look, it's possible. The physicalists are saying that saying someone could be physically identical to me and not conscious is like saying something could have 79 protons in its nucleus and not be gold. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, that helped. That's sort of like what it is. The, yeah. The, zombie, the zombieists are saying, no, 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 your brain is not like the gold like that. It's something else. And the physicalists are saying, no, 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 my brain is, it is like that. Um, my brain produces gold constantly. <laughs> yeah. Carly, how does it make all that gold? Damn. Um, well, you see, the air goes across the vocal cords and then gold comes out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Descartes. Okay, so the first one, conceivability. Zombies are conceivable. So this basically means that you can imagine one without, uh, like, struggling. Right. So, for example, um, it's conceivable to imagine that um okay so it's not you can't imagine you can't conceive of a 10-sided triangle right no we went over this already yeah that's because anything with 10 sides is by definition not a triangle yeah nice try (laughs) nice try but you could imagine right you could imagine that the sun revolved around the earth you could conceive of that right yeah oh yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there's like an issue with this because like my issue with this is that saying it seems to be that saying something conceivable doesn't really tell you all that much. It seems to tell you more about what you don't know, right? Like ancient astronomers probably found it very easy to conceive that the sun was going around the earth. Mm-hmm. But does that tell us anything other than that they were just ignorant about how gravity works? Right? What are they actually conceiving when they imagine the sun revolving around the earth? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to conceive of completely incorrect things all the time. Yeah, you just don't know enough information. Yeah. So that's uh, what a lot of people say is like, look, just 
you know, I don't think you really can conceive of a zombie. This is the philosopher Dan, Daniel Dennett. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he basically says, if you think you can imagine a zombie, you're not really trying hard enough to imagine this thing. And he's, he's saying it's actually, it would actually be quite difficult to imagine something that's physically identical to you, but lacks this seemingly ubiquitous uh, property of consciousness. All right, so that's the conceivability premise. But suppose maybe, maybe Daniel Dennett is wrong. Maybe we really can conceive of a zombie. So the second premise says that if you can conceive of something, then it's possible. It's possible that it could be. So this is sort of the flip side of what we talked about a couple episodes ago, which is that if you can't conceive of something, then it must be impossible. This is the flip side. If you can conceive of something, it must be possible. Right. See, my gut's telling me that that's bullshit. Just because you can conceive of something doesn't mean it's possible. Right. So, uh, so here's, like, here's like a thought experiment that philosopher who endorses the zombie theory would say. Um, so this is, there's this idea that, uh, I forget what it, the guy's name was. It's this idea that, like, imagine a, a bunch of tiny little alien creatures or something uh, sneak into your brain and replace all of your neurons with themselves. And they all have tiny little cell phones. Wow. And they, they simulate the actions of the neurons by calling each other on these tiny little cell phones. And so you continue to behave exactly like you were behaving before. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually have any neurons anymore. You just have these weird little aliens with cell phones. So you're no longer conscious anymore. They're the ones making you appear conscious with their cell phones. Exactly. They're perfectly simulating your brain. Or would they be, would that be, it would be an iPhone or would it be an Android? It would definitely be an Android. What am I even <laughs> fucking saying? Of course it's an Android. Of course they're using Androids. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I can, maybe I can imagine that. Maybe, so if I can, I'm clearly imagining it, like I, I'm definitely conceiving it. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it happening. Does it mean it's possible? Could it happen in another possible world? Yeah, maybe it could. Small aliens, small phones. Yeah, but uh, again, a similar argument would would come against this, which is that uh, the argument is that okay, well, well, just because you can conceive it doesn't mean that it's possible. And I think, like with this one, I kind of tend to think that if you can if you can conceive something, then it it it's possible. But that's with a very strong sense of conceive, where you're conceiving something with a lot of knowledge about how it actually works. Right. You need to have you need to get some details before you start saying you're conceiving something. Because I'm thinking of like I can conceive of a basketball player that is 50 feet tall, but only <laughs> weighs 200 pounds. Right? We're talking about a wispy willow type fella, but I know it's not possible based on the laws of our gravity on this planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like you know, yeah, another example would be like uh, Star Trek. Right? They have the the warp drive that lets them travel faster than light. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, they're, they're imagining a warp drive that goes faster than light. But obviously, no one can really conceive of this in a lot of detail because it's way, way beyond anything that we can possibly do. So we have no idea whether or not it's possible. Like, I'm conceiving of a warp drive. I don't know if it's possible. I think the consensus is you can't go faster than light without completely breaking reality. The best they can do for you is a wormhole. But even then, it's like, okay, what is, is it making like little wormholes in front of itself like can you even make a wormhole like remember when they thought neutrinos were faster than light and everybody was like well fuck all science books ever written <laughs> yeah <laughs> then that turned out to be an error 
Yeah. Imagine being that guy. Oh, shit. Yeah. So uh, this is like the final objection. And this is, uh, this goes right back to like the beginning when we were saying that the easiest way to imagine zombies is to imagine that epiphenomenalism is possible. To imagine that you can be conscious, but the consciousness doesn't do anything. It's totally inert. And then it's easier to imagine a zombie if you imagine the conscious experiences don't actually cause any behavior. Right. And the objection to this, once again, our friend, Saul Kripke. Mm-hmm. He's not having this shit. He's not having it. He's like, hey, listen, people talk about their conscious experiences all the time. We're always referring to them. Yeah. In our thoughts, in our conversations, we're talking about it. Clearly, our conscious experiences are having an effect on our behavior because we're talking about them. Yeah, you're not talking about your thoughts and feelings if you aren't actually in control of what you're doing, right? Right. Like a, a zombie's not going to start talking about how sad he feels, is he? Well, that, that, that's Kripke's point. Kripke's point is that if indeed it is true that we only talk about our conscious experiences because they actually do have an effect on us, well, then zombies wouldn't, would never be able to talk about their conscious experiences because they're not having any. Right. So what are they talking about when they, like, it'd be pretty obvious to tell someone's as quote-unquote philosophical zombie because they never ever reference any feelings. Yeah, and, how, and so it's, it's pretty impossible to actually imagine someone behaving. Like the, the zombie, the thing about the zombies, they behave exactly like us. Mm-hmm. But if they can't talk about their conscious experiences, then they don't behave exactly like us. So they're not, so then the whole argument falls apart. Yeah. You would find them to be extremely weird and unsettling pretty quickly, I feel like. A lot of our reactions that make us seem human are they are born in the conscious feeling and then expressed physically outward after. So I think you'd just know right away if that if that wasn't happening in someone's head, if these were all like pre-canned reactions to thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's like, seems like a pretty good objection. But on the other hand, you could say, well, yeah, look, it, it seems like your conscious experiences are, are what's causing you to talk about them. But just because that's the way it seems doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it is. So some, some philosophers do, do bite the bullet and say that consciousness is epiphenomenal. But that's such a repugnant conclusion that most people don't. Uh, don't like it. Ah, little callback. Yeah, <laughs> repugnant conclusion. Yeah, it's like a like a philosophical black metal band. <laughs> yeah. So the the debate on zombies is extremely complex. Like we really cannot get into into all the nitty gritty of it, like all the conceivability and possibility and metamodal modalities and everything. Yeah, I, I I'm not well versed enough in it to. Uh, to learn about it in two hours. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, your life will not change if you decide you're a zombie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or if you decide everyone else is a zombie. No, no, no. You're going to yeah. act the exact same way. Well, yeah, and again, it's, it's not about, even the people who believe that zombies are possible do not believe that anybody on this planet is a zombie. Ah. They just say that it's metaphysically possible. I see. But that's all they need. If, if, they, if they are right that, it is metaphysically possible to have a zombie, then it is true that phys- the physical facts are not enough to explain consciousness. 
and some kind of dualism has to be true and that there must be some non-physical properties or facts about us that are conscious. And so some of them have proposed the answer to this and they say, look, consciousness is a fundamental property of matter. It's a non-physical property, but it's a property of matter. All matter is conscious. A non-physical property of matter. So would gravity fall under that? Uh... No, no, no. It's sort of like that. It's fundamental. So it's like an electric charge or like gravity. But those are all physical. Those are physical. So consciousness would be the only non-physical one. Uh, so magic. We're talking magic over here. Yeah. Ma- magic by any other name. Yeah. Supernatural, at least, or some sort of, maybe it is physical, but we just have no, we're not even, we haven't even come close to discovering what the physical mechanisms are of that, right? Yeah. The, yeah, the, the biggest problem, it seems like the biggest problem for dualism is causation, right? Like, how could a non-physical thing cause anything physical to happen? Right. So, again, it's like, logically, it doesn't seem possible. Potential. It's all potential quantum fields. Yeah. Who knows? Consciousness is a very, it's, it's so hard to talk about it because there's so little that we know, right? So we're always saying like, oh, this seems possible and that seems possible, but we just really are very ignorant. Well, it's also kind of funny because you have to use the problem to try and solve the problem, right? Like you, the tool we have to solve the problem of consciousness is our own consciousness, right? So like we might have, we might be fundamentally blocked from seeing the answer because of the thing that we're trying to figure out is the thing that we're using to figure it out. Could, be, could very well be. Yeah. Um, very, very Wittgensteinian. You know, what would be crazy is if one of these physical or philosophical zombies that we're talking about were the only hope of figuring out this problem because they're outside of it. Ooh, like they're the only ones that could help. But they're exactly like us. But, they're, but they don't have consciousness. They're the only, they don't have consciousness. Well, that's a, another objection to them, actually, is that when they talk, right? If a zombie says, like, hmm, that coffee smells good, is it true? So now they do have consciousness. <laughs> no, no, they don't, right? But they're exactly like us. Right. So they talk about how great the coffee smells. But they have no idea. They don't have any conscious experience. So when they say the coffee smells good, what are they saying? Well, it seems like they're just, it's, that would be, to me, would be like a very advanced AI type of situation where it's like so close to being real, but there's not that spark, that inner spark. Well, physicalists would, uh, a lot of physicalists would be fine with having an AI be conscious because again, it's all about having the right physical facts. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. If you got the enough, like a, a certain amount of neurons connecting, then suddenly you just hit like the jackpot of consciousness. You just need enough of them, or they need to be firing in the right way. There's just some, there's just some physical formula you need to you need to perfect to make that magic happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The magic of the mind, but don't call it magic because then you're a dualist. <laughs> Fuck. But anyway, yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, I think consciousness is just one of those things where it's like you can't because we are conscious ourselves and we're that's it's you're getting blocked by your own like I said before, you're using the problem to try and solve the problem and that's why you'll never be able to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to dig yourself out of a hole but you keep taking the dirt and then just throwing it in the air and it keeps landing back into it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have I have hope. 
I think it just takes more, more neuroscience, more and more studying. We could talk about this for hours. But then you would, would you consider yourself a, you'd be considering yourself a physicalist then, right? If you think that the scientific method will eventually be able to figure it out. Precisely. Yeah. Oh, we got a physicalist on our hands. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. I didn't know that about you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole other argument against physicalism that doesn't have any zombies in it about called the knowledge argument that we could do. Maybe we could do that next week. Sure. Let's do it. Thanks, Sam, for uh, leading us through those territories. Our uh, inbox is quite dry. Quite dry. It's... It... Is it as dry as Ben Shapiro's wife's vagina? <laughs> yes. Our inbox is as dry as Ben Shapiro's wife's vagina. Um, how it's supposed to be, I guess, according to him. Um, how many kids does that guy have? None? I don't know. I don't know. If they came, <laughs> they came out of her vagina with just rug burns on all of their body because there was no lubrication at all, even during the birthing process. <laughs> Gross. Uh, you can email us at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com if you want to complain about that last uh, comment I just made <laughs> or any other comments we've made. In fact, I'm only accepting complaints at this point. So hate mail, complaints only, and anything else, you can go fuck yourself. TPS podcast at four, oh, TPS podcast 420 at gmail.com. Sam will put it in the description like a good little boy. And that is our episode for this week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.